station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and good evening. Welcome to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. Of course, on this show, every week we tackle a topic that is important to our community. Now, 2020 has certainly been a challenging year for the education system, but most importantly for educators and learners as they grappled with the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic and its disruptions to learning. At the peak of the pandemic, several principals took a bold stand against the opening of schools during the hard lockdown, with some of them holding daily pickets objecting to this decision by the education department. One of them was principal of Heathfield High, Mr. Wesley Newman, who faces disciplinary charges from the Western Cape Education Department. There's been loads of support for Mr. Newman and and from the school community and from several other schools in Cape Town. Mr. Newman will in fact appear before the Western Cape Education Department this week for his disciplinary hearing after an attempt to halt it at the Labour Court. Mr. Newman's story brings to the fore questions concerning the role of the teacher in society and there is concern that good teachers are being demoralized by a bureaucratic education system. The question on Burning Issue tonight is, are good critical teachers under threat? Well, that's our question this evening. We'll have a number of guests on the show tonight, and we have already our guests in studio. Good evening, guys, and welcome to Burning Issue. Good evening. <laughs> good evening, good evening. Okay, let's introduce, do you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, so I'm Ashley, and I'm from the organization Bottom Up. Um, we work um, in schools, um, mainly on the Cape Flats, and the story of Heathfield is really interesting to us in terms of critical education and critical teachers. And our second guest? Uh, my name's Patrick and I'm a student uh, working with the COVID-19 People's Coalition uh, ECD and Education Working Group. And we also have online Alan Liebenberg. Alan, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Good evening, Azid. So, I mean, the question tonight is we are talking about the education system and we are asking whether it's too bureaucratic and because of its complete, you know, all the red tape, we know what it's like, you know, government institutions have a lot of red tape, unfortunately, but we're asking, is it costing our country critical teachers? So um, let's start with our guests in studio. Perhaps tell us a bit more about what you do. What, what, what does your organization do? Yeah, so we work with student leaders, so representative councils of learners and schools, and we try to introduce these student leaders to ideas of critical social theory. So the main question is, uh, who benefits um, in terms of structures, policies and practices within the field of education at the level of the school, but also in the education system as a whole? And so I think these are some of the questions which Mr. Newman's story highlights, actually. Mm -hmm. And you're saying that you are, um, there's another guest just stepping in, Brian Isaacs, good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue, have a seat. How are you doing? Welcome back to the show, he's been on here before. Um, okay, so look, let's get straight to the main question, okay? So let's talk about the education system and how the bureaucratic system or the bureaucracy of it all is actually placing critical 
and good teachers under threat. Um, Alan, let's start with you. You are the spokesperson for the Action Committee at Youthfield High School, and we're using Mr. Newman as a case study. Um, he was someone who stood up and he said, we care about the kids. It's COVID-19. We want to stop the spread amongst, uh, of course, a, a, a young population as well. Uh, what do you make of this, um, Alan? I mean, this whole bureaucratic system and, of course, how it has impacted on Mr. Newman. Yeah, Yazid, uh, I think uh, you uh, hit the hammer on the nail. We go straight to the point at the heart of this issue. Uh, as you say, is the expectation of roles. And uh, there are uh, different expectations. On the one hand, you have uh, the repressive bureaucratic culture, which uh, exists in most bureaucracies, but here we're talking about WCED in particular. And when that repressive bureaucracy, where I sometimes use the, the metaphor of a Bonerial type of thinking, when that bureaucracy um, connects with the, with, with the type of culture that ought to exist in schools, um, that is a culture of free thinking, critical thinking, which is nurtured and encouraged, human agency amongst children and teachers, which is valued throughout the world, when those two cultures connect, then sparks are going to fly. And I think this is precisely what has happened um, at East Pildai. Just uh, in parenthesis, it happened at the school where I taught um, in the early 80s, Kresla High School, the principal then was uh, Yusuf Costa, later Professor Yusuf Costa, where he was instructed to provide government with, a, with the names of the children in Crestway High School who were part of the Committee of 81. Uh, he didn't cower down. He wasn't pusillanimous. He told them boldly that he, in good conscience he cannot do it and will not do it. Yeah. Alan, I'd like to come now to the current news story, which is, of course, the case of Wesley Newman. So we believe that he's going to be facing his um, disciplinary hearing this week. Can you give us an update on that and, and give us some more detail? What are the allegations or charges that he's going to be facing? Yeah, there are quite a few charges. Let me just say that um, the process begins on the 3rd, follows through on the 4th, and uh, will continue on the 7th. And if there are delays, obviously this can go on for a very long time. Um, there are roughly six charges, main charge and alternative charges. The first relates to, um, according to the department, mis misconduct, uh, where he conducted himself in an improper, disgraceful, unacceptable manner. Um, by way of your physical or verbal engagement with a learner at the school. That's quite a serious charge. It, it's a serious charge, but it's, it's been altered so many times. Initially, it was, he was charged for, for pointing a finger at this child, who subsequently, a uh, governing body of the school recommended that he be expelled and he was expelled. 
by the head of education in the form of Brian Schroeder. Um, subsequently, they appealed, and the appeal was upheld by the MEC, uh, Ms. Schaefer. So he's back at school. So I think there's a lot of politicking around this issue because what has happened uh, very rarely occurs. Um, initially, as I said, the charge against Mr. Newman was pointing his finger at the child. And of course, uh, we went and did our homework. That charge was later um, changed to poking the child with his, with his finger. In any case, the second charge relates to uh, misconduct, where he failed to carry out a lawful order or routine um, instruction. We will argue that it was neither a lawful order nor a routine instruction. There was nothing routine about COVID-19. Um, and, and, and can I just, can I just the ask... One that I find most interesting. You see, initially... Brian Schroeder had, according to him, become aware that uh, instructions which had been sent to principals was not being followed at his field eye, and then wrote a letter specifically to Wesley Newman instructing him um, on a number of issues. And uh, Wesley then wrote a reply to Brian Schroeder. And it is my considered opinion that it was this letter that Wesley wrote to Brian Schroeder, um, which uh, caused um, Brian Schroeder to decide that um, uh, this man, this principal, needs to be put in his place, or as it seems now, or he has to exit the system, because a number of sentences in that letter have found their way into the charge sheet. Um, in the letter, for example, Wesley indicated to him that uh, he takes umbrage to the uh, pre-94 methods of issuing um, instructions in a bar cup manner. That appears on the, uh, on the, in the charge. Wesley also then uh, tells him that history is replete with politicians and bureaucrats who have fought battles to the last drop of somebody else's blood. And in this case, it will be the blood of our children. That sentence finds itself in this charge as well. Wesley also indicates to him um, that throughout the world, there exists a trend that schools are only reopened when the um, infection rate of COVID-19 peaks, and to deviate from this trend is unintelligent and reckless. That also um, is found in, in this charge and a number of other sentences. So I think uh, of all these things that happened, the voice of Wesley Newman to the head of education is probably the one that irritated um, Brian Schroeder the most. Against all these other charges. Yeah. So, so Alan, is is the does the school believe though that the principal took the right action to say that we do not want to open the school because of the fear of the spread of COVID nineteen? Well, 
Where does the school stand on 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 this decision that the principal made? Okay, you know, uh, you ask amazing questions, Zazid. It is the principal, uh, Wesley Newman, who articulated the wishes of the parents. And even when Wesley opened the school, parents chose, and this was in fact uh, the type of information that they got from the command council and from Angie Motsecha, the, the, the Minister of uh, National Basic Education, um, who said that, look, if you choose not to send your child to school, don't send your child to school. So in, in essence, and this is the rub, I think, of this entire discussion, must the principal see himself as a mere employee of the education department uh, and follow their commands without any uh, criticism or, or question, or must the, uh, the, the principal or educator, for that matter, um, refuse to alienate himself from the community and from the parents and from the children and work in their best in interest and be prepared to take a stand? Now, I think uh, Mr. Newman has, has made a choice. At that stage, along with, I think, 100-odd principals, he preferred to stand by his community and stand by his parents. Okay, so that is the groundwork. That is the framework of our discussion this evening. We have a case study of a principal who wanted to protect learners from COVID-19. He is now facing a disciplinary hearing by the Western Cape Education Department. Um, the WhatsApp messages already coming through. I want to I encourage all our listeners to participate in the show. You can send us a WhatsApp message to 082 991393 that is 0829913913 we'll go for a quick ad break now that we have the groundwork we'll get into um, the conversation about the rights of the principal we've got Brian Isaacs who I'll ask to respond and also Ashley Pesachi from Bottom, bottom Up Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. We are looking at the case of a principal, Wesley Newman. He is uh, facing a disciplinary hearing this week um, by the Western Cape Education Department. He's the principal at Heathfield High. And um, apparently during COVID-19, he made a decision that a learner should not return to the school. And tonight we asked the question, how does the education system, you know, impact on, on, on the good teachers and the good principals, people who want to take a stand? We have in studio Brian Isaacs now. He is a, a former principal, a high school principal of uh, South Peninsula High. Brian, good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. You've been on the show before. Yes, good evening and good <laughs> evening to the listeners. It's nice to have you back. Now, a principal is in charge of a lot of things. And in your experience, of course, you can talk about that. Um, but what do you think, um, looking critically at the decision that this principal made, I mean, what do you think of this decision? I think it was a community decision, the way I read it and my involvement with the Eastfield High School community. It was a decision taken by the community to urge the parents not to send their children to school. The teachers were at school. And um, the fact that they wrote a letter to the president 
And uh, although they're not being given credit uh, for the letter, I'm sure that uh, their letter uh, uh, made the president take the decision to delay the opening of schools. And they're not being given the credit for that. And uh, the, um, the opposition that they put up to protect their students. Nowhere in the world, and somebody must correct me, or somebody can phone in, uh, nowhere in the world has any principal uh, been charged for protecting students. This is a life and death issue. And then we have people like Brian Schroeder, who uh, pretends to be this progressive uh, head of education. And uh, uh, I'm accused by many, uh, whenever I write an article to the newspapers, of always criticizing the Western Cape Education Department. Now, when they do good things, I have no problem, and I will compliment them. But when they are involved in a situation of intimidation, political, this is political intimidation, and uh, I'm disappointed that the president, as well as the minister of education, Angie Mochecha, has not sorted out this matter. They could have issued an instruction for the WCD to drop these charges against Mr. Newman. And uh, it seems to me as if they are all in cahoots with uh, each other about action to be taken against Mr. Newman. It's a political action. It's a message they want to send out to teachers. And in my experience, uh, with the exception of 1985, where teachers became involved in the struggle, teachers follow instructions. And they're scared to criticize the department. Now, as Paulo Freer says, that there is this fear of freedom, that people don't want to speak out. And I always say to people, the only thing the department can do to you is to fire you. That's the only thing they can do to you. That's the worst thing they can do to you. And uh, if more and more teachers adopt that kind of attitude, they will not be able to fire all the teachers. Yeah. And so it's time that teachers actually stand up and that they support. Uh, I belonged to the Progressive Principals Association and Nadim Hendricks and I. We actually were founders of the organization in 2011. And uh, because we question the old question of students visiting the, um, the Jewish uh, Museum, uh, and we just subtly reminded them, but there's a Palestinian struggle as well. They removed the two of us from this democratic organization. So it just shows you how conservative the teachers are and that they're not open to criticism and they're not open to progressive thinking. Mm -hmm. 
Now, I just want to say that we place it on record that we have invited the Western Cape Education Department to join us on this topic, but because of the disciplinary hearing this week, they cannot speak to the media. And I would also just like to say that the views expressed in the program are not the views of the voice of the Cape. It's management to staff. Listeners, thank you, Shukran, for your messages coming through on the WhatsApp line. I'm just quickly going to read some of it. Listener 0115 says, Angie Mocheka. Mocheka must be charged with sabotage and reckless endangerment when she forced learners and educators back to schools, knowing full well that educators and learners will be affected by flu symptoms that will show up as COVID-19 when tested. And then listener 5687 sent quite a long message saying, just to let you know, it's not just the government who demoralize good, hardworking teachers and principals, vice and principals. Um, and they're talking about essentially the system that demoralizes teachers who feel intimidated by the autocratic nature of it. And then uh, listener 0617 says, Viva Wesley Newman. Thank you for taking care of staff and learners under the unknown pandemic condition. Teachers in the Western Cape are full of the krachtadige nature of in this department okay um listener 1790 says it is so true the gent what the gentleman is saying teachers need to stand up and stand together and yeah that's our comments from our listeners thus far listeners do feel free to call in as well the number in the studio is 0214-423530. The WhatsApp number is 0829913913. Now, Ashley, Bottom Up is an NPO, a non-profit organization that promotes active citizenship and participatory democracy. In the case of Wesley Newman, the principal seems to have taken an active role in his community. He wanted to protect, as he says, the learners. Um, but he also, of course, has a responsibility to his employer. What do you make of the situation? I think that's a very important question because if we go back even to maybe just to, to think about this problem and where it happens, right? So it happens within the context of a pandemic. There's a global crisis. It happens within a particular school space, an attenuated space uh, in, in our words, um, on the Cape Flats. And there's a text which says to go back to schools um, in the midst of this crisis and and going back will have certain kinds of consequences in a school like Heathfield in a context like uh, that of COVID-19. Um, those consequences would include things like sporadic timetabling, um, having to platoon uh, students, um, etc. And even though uh, all of the kind of uh, benefits are, are being pushed by the WCD in terms of learning, we know that that's Aren't, aren't really realizable within that kind of context and situation um, within the context of a global crisis. So, so in that moment, Wesley as a school principal, um, together with his SGB, takes a particular decision, uh, acting in the interest of students and acting also in the interest of the broader community. What are the health and safety risks which need to be taken into account? And at that stage, uh, we, we were sitting going into the peak um, and there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding that as well. Now, to, to, to kind of put this, um, our, our school curriculum even, uh, 
not, not just the curriculum, but even our, our policy documentation from the white paper through to the Schools Act and then through to even uh, our, our curriculum statements talk about things like critical thinkers. We want to produce critical thinkers. Talks about issues of democracy. Talks about participation or socially just education. And here you have a teacher or school principal, school leader, who is taking certain decisions in the interest of students, uh, actively uh, engaging the state, in a sense. Um, and what we see is kind of this hard-handed, heavy thing for saying, no, actually, your role is not to question. Your role is not to make decisions. In other words, the role of the teacher is no longer to be a professional then, right? So, so you don't have any professional judgment. You just do as what you're told. And, and for me, there's, a, there's an element which um, we need to think about in the response of the state or in response to the WCD in this case. Um, is that how is the role of the teacher actually being imagined? So is the teacher to be just kind of a, a blindfolded implementer? You, you don't think you just do. Um, are they just a technician or a teaching machine? Or do we want our teachers, if, we, if the hope is that we're going to have critical students and active students, is the hope not that we also have teachers who are intellectuals, uh, teachers who are willing to engage critically, and teachers who are also able to ask questions? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I did some news reporting for um, a TV channel called uh, Newsroom Africa during the COVID period. And I remember at one of the, I, I mean, it was like the education, the national education minister on a Sunday night said something like they're making a U-turn, that the schools are not going to open the next day. I don't know if you guys remember that. And the next morning on a Monday, we went to a school and the Western Cape Education Department was the only department nationally that said, we're going back mm -hmm. on that particular day. And then we stood at the school and there were no kids. No parents <laughs> sent their children to school. Um, there was a principal and they were there and they were saying, well, we are prepared. We've got our COVID-19 protocols in place. But all, you know, but parents themselves are saying, I'm not sending my child to school during that period. Because obviously they're living with grannies and grandparents. And, and then I also went to another school during my reporting period. And there was actually a protest outside the school. It was in Mowbray. Um, there were, it was the students, the um in fact, learners themselves, supported by a university student group, were protesting outside the school. So even learners were saying, we're scared, we don't want to go back to school. Um, so there definitely was sort of like um, action that was taken, not just by this one principal, parents and learners as well. Now, Patrick, let's bring you into this conversation. You are from the C19 People's Coalition. Um, can you please tell us exactly, for, to our listeners, exactly what the um, C19 People's Coalition aims to achieve, please? Yeah. Uh, the coalition was, was established with the aim of responding to, um, to, to issues of social justice in, in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so these voices are spread across health and police brutality, gender-based violence, um, and in our little corner, uh, ECDs and schools. So social justice, you say? Uh, particularly issues, yeah. Particularly issues that that uh, that were that became high stress points in society um, during the the opening rounds of of COVID in our country. And did you find that there were any other principals who also said that schools should not open? And were they? Are they facing disciplinary action? I'm just curious to know. Or was this? I, mean, I don't think this was the only principal in the whole country or the Western Cape that said, "My school is not opening." Uh, 
I, I believe that many voice their voice their opinions, whether others have been um, pursued in the same way that uh, Principal Newman has been. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, but certainly his case is emblematic of the kind of crackdown and that uh, that the, the department has used at at this time. Do you think it's been a bit heavy-handed? Uh, I would certainly, I would certainly say so, and agree with the two speakers before me. Uh, what it amounts to is a is a concentration of of power in in a kind of autot- autocratic way. Um, do as I say, or, or or you're out. And this just ignores the the critical teacher or the critical principal and their role in understanding what it is that's going on on the ground. Uh, it's to discount that and say, we know better. We know better than you. Mm-hmm. I just quickly want to go back to the WhatsApp line just to thank our listeners for sending through messages. Listener 6968 says, how can the Department of Education take Mr. Newman to task for being real about the COVID-19 situation? Listener 5139 says, I commend Mr. Wesley and a principal for standing up against the reopening of schools in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic. Wish more principals and staff could have stood up. But then again, our people aren't united. Thank you to those principals and teachers who went out to picket in the cold winter weather. Yeah, there was that as well. There were pickets. And then... um, Listener 5961 says, Good evening to the panel. It's this attitude of the education department that has led to the situation schools are in at this moment in time. No discipline, no respect for either educator or even parents. It is disgusting. Listener 5998 says, Brian, oh my goodness, okay. I'm sharing an opinion. People, it's a community. It's a platform. 5998 says, Brian Schroeder only employs idiots. He doesn't employ principals that think for themselves they want puppets. So those are the opinions coming through. And listener 7912 said, We are having a vigil tomorrow at school for Mr. Newman. We appeal to everyone and anyone to support us, please. It says here there's a flyer that's been sent. It says Heathfield High School Sports Field on Wednesday, the 2nd of December from 4.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. And it, the, the headline reads, We need your support. Save our principled principles. So, um, Brian Isaacs, um, did you say that you were teaching in 1985? Yeah, I started teaching wow. in 1977. What? Mm. <laughs> I wasn't even born then. <laughs> That's crazy. Mm. Wow. So, respect firstly. Um... I'm just amazed. But so what do you make of the handling of this principle in terms of giving the principle the authority, you know, for, I mean, do you think he's been stripped of his authority? What rights do principles have? Well, I think, uh, you know, any um, employer-employee relationship, there are certain rules that you need to follow. But I think when it comes to um, matters of national concern, Uh, We should have an education department, or all the departments should allow an open debate. Um, You know, we we come from a terrible system of apartheid. We thought that since 1994, we would be able to voice our opinions freely, and that government would listen to us. Now, all that should have happened was that Brian Schroeder, should have met with the Eastfield Eye community, understood the situation, and moved on. Simple as that. They have created this political issue. 
And it's the kind of master-slave relationship that we still have in our country that you have to, and it's not only in the Western Cape, it is in all the other eight provinces also. Uh, it's just that the, the Western Cape, of course, is governed by another party. But it's the same kind of thing that happens in all the provinces. Instead of us listening to people and then consider the issues and then move on as a simple case, they have created a situation where people have become agitated and hostile towards them. Uh, Brian Schroeder uh, has been appointed, in my opinion, illegally. He's reached the age of 65. He was appointed for another two years. Are you saying to me there's nobody here in South Africa that can become a head of education? I find it impossible. And then to extend it again by another two years. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And to me, it just shows uh, the kind of deviousness of the Western Cape Education Department. We should have a complete revamp of the Western Cape Education Department. And I know people are saying, but Mr. Isaacs has got a bone to pick with the Education Department. But uh, I'm saying that, as I said, if they've done something right, I will commend them. But in this particular instance, they have wrongfully accused Mr. Newman. After the break, we are going to be getting into the role of the teacher in the 21st century. And we're also going to be talking about the bureaucracy and how it makes life difficult for teachers. I think this is a topic that we don't cover enough. We always talk about, um, yeah, we talk about the, 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 the physical stuff. We talk about the schools that need lights and windows that need to be fixed. But this is also important. We're now going to go for Maghrib. It's the prayer time. So after the break, we'll be back. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamal. In this evening, we are talking about the case of Wesley Newman, and he is the principal at Heathfield High. He's facing disciplinary, a disciplinary hearing this week before the Western Cape Education Department, and he made news when he decided that he did not want to reopen the school during the COVID-19 pandemic when uh, the Western Cape Education Department uh, said schools should reopen. Of course, he was concerned about the safety of learners, but now he's being taken to task. So we are in studio with a number of guests. Just let's welcome them back in studio. We've got Brian Isaacs. Um, he is a former principal, and he was the principal at... Uh, South Peninsula High. We've also got Ashley Fesahi from Bottom Up, a non-profit organization that promotes active citizenship and participatory democracy, and Patrick Schuster from the C19 People's Coalition. So, um, we're talking about the education system. We're talking about the government system. We're focusing on the Western Cape because we are here, but people can share information about what's happening in the country as well. That's all good. Um, I'd like to bring Brian into the conversation. Now, Brian, can you tell us about your personal experience with the Western Cape Education Department? Yes, I think as a, as a teacher, um, 
I always felt that one needed to be critical when you when I was still in the system and also outside the system so people can't accuse me that I'm now comfortable outside the system and therefore I can criticize I think that when I was in the system I hope that listeners will know that uh, whenever the department did something that was uneducational I would either uh, first raise it with them and if they don't listen I would then write about the situation in the newspapers uh, and if I'm fortunate to get some airtime on, 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 on radio, I will also, you know, criticize them about an uneducational issue. So um, one can only but carry, encourage uh, principals uh, and also uh, teachers uh, to take up a moral stand against injustice because... Uh, what are we saying to the students when we keep quiet in our classrooms, when uh, students raise issues of injustice? Uh, what do we do when they say, sir, uh, madam, what are you doing about the situation? And so uh, I've always believed, like Paulo Freer, that we must engage students, that we are not the owners of knowledge that we'll be surprised at the knowledge that our students have and that we can share that knowledge uh, with our students. And uh, when you engage the parents, teachers and students on that equal footing, um, you, you then create an atmosphere where um, people are politically aware um, and I think uh, it's my experience that the academic progress follows their, their interest in extramural activity, follows, they've got something now to work towards, they've got a goal, we want to free South Africa, we want to free the world, uh, we want to achieve what we want to achieve in our careers in order to use our careers to serve uh, our community. Mm -hmm. I just also want to say thank you, shukran to our listeners for sending through WhatsApp messages. Mr. Isaac, you have a fan here. Listener 5687 says, Mr. Isaac, Mr. Isaac, sorry, you are saying the thing as it is. Don't change for anyone. God's on your side. <laughs> you God's on your side. Mm -hmm. According to that listener. <laughs> listener, shukran for all your messages. Listener 4733 also sent a message saying, how do we mobilize for education reform and for a truly democratic education system? Maybe that's a question Ashley can answer. And the listener continues saying, schooling is failing and we're not preparing students to change the world. So Ashley, how is bottom-up uh, mobilizing for education reform and for a truly democratic education system? What do you guys do? Tell us. I think it starts with analyzing the system and understanding how it works and understanding how power works within society. And so, so for us, a starting point is that question that I mentioned earlier is who benefits, uh, who's included and who's excluded um, when we structure education in a particular way, um, when we write our policies in a particular way, perhaps even as an example of work we did with students at one school. Um, where language policy was shifted to English only, but this happened in the context of a neighborhood that was quite Afrikaans speaking um, only 
Afrikaans also tended to be a mark of class in that space. So by switching to English only, you effectively uh, cut out certain uh, 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 portions of the community from being able to access that school or being able to receive education in a particular way. So Isn't it also better to learn in your first language? Like, don't you like... Isn't education good in your first language? Yes, I'm, I'm sure you should get the, the, the language people from uh, UCT on um, to come and talk about home language and translanguaging um, and being able to learn and access knowledge um, in forms that we're familiar with um, in, that draws on our own life worlds. Um, but but to answer um, the listener's question in terms of mobilizing, we, stay, we start there, but also it's about um, imagining a new kind of society. And for, for us, that, that society, is the society is a society where everyone has equal access to the material and the social means necessary to flourish. So we want students to flourish, we want our communities to flourish, but the arrangements that are in place don't always enable that. And, and in fact, Mr. to bring it back to Mr. Newman's story, is here you have a critical uh, school principal who is asking these kinds of questions, um, who is trying to raise issues, trying to uh, bring in, how is this going to affect the student? How is this going to affect our community? Um, so you need to create environments where dialogue is possible, um, where we can engage these tough questions, um, and it's not going to be faced with uh, sanctions or discipline and punish <laughs> yeah. a style of um, leadership. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, listeners are sending through messages as the show goes on. I mean, Mr. Isaacs, you have another fan here. Is this like the fan club happening? <laughs> Listener 0900 says, I've worked at the WCED, that is the Western Cape Education Department. Mr. Isaacs is 100% correct. Just to reiterate that we did ask the Western Cape Education Department if they would like to be part of the show. We invited them on the show, in fact. And they declined saying they cannot speak before the hearing happens. We heard earlier in the show from um, Aaron Liebenberg, the spokesperson for the Action Committee at Heathfield High School. He said that the hearing at the Education Department will start this week on the 3rd, and that would be on Thursday. Um, it's going on 3rd and the 4th. And um, the principal faces a number of charges, including misconduct. So um, let's just quickly look at some of the other messages um, coming through. Uh, just to acknowledge our listeners. A listener 9826 says... Okay, well, I'll ignore that one. Um, we don't have to, to read every message on the show. Um, so listener 4692 says shukran for acknowledging and addressing the age-old racism and apartheid top-down department approach nothing has really changed in this democracy well done to wesley newman we salute you may the almighty guide and protect all those who fight for our learners you will succeed with the ridiculous court case and um let's go on Listener 4933 says, Our teachers at Heathfield High are at risk and every other teacher in the country. Um, and okay, I'll go through some of the other messages later. Let's continue with our guests. Um, I think what's important to also understand, uh, Brian, from the perspective and the experience that you have with the education department, um, how does the education department even inhibit um, the flourishing? as Ashley talked about, of good teachers in the system? 
Um, in, you know, as I've reiterated, that if you want to consider yourself to be a good teacher, you obviously have to be qualified in your subject or subjects. Um, you know, one would have to also believe that teachers are widely read, uh, that teachers encourage reading. Um, there is the belief that uh, because schools don't have computers, they are going to be left behind. Now, that to me is a Western concept where um, the rich want us to believe that if you don't have access to computers, you are unable to learn. Now, I debunk that kind of theory. Yes, we are in the 21st century. We do have computers. They do make things easier for us. Um, and there are two uh, uh, types of knowledge as far as computers are concerned. The one where you just have know how to use the computer to access information, and then the other one is where you write programs, where you need to learn uh, how to uh, write these programs. And most of us, of course, uh, 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 well, I think uh, at school we should learn to do both and not just say, well, we leave it to the experts. Uh, I think we must encourage teachers and uh, students to learn both how to use it and also how to write programs as well. Um, so, 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 so the teacher's role is very, very important. And um, as I want to reiterate again that I'm a strong believer that uh, we must discuss the politics of the day, the issues of the day. This, to me, gives students hope for the future. And um, wherever I go, I address the teachers, the parents, and the students as students of excellence. Now, I don't know whether it's a psychological thing, where you tell people a number of times that they're excellent, and they begin to believe it. And I must say from my own experience at the school that I taught at, I would greet the parents, the teachers and the students of students, teachers and parents of excellence. And to me, I've seen um, uh, the, the enthusiasm that uh, all sections of the community has when uh, you send out this message. Uh, to students um, and I uh, on a personal level I wanted to find out people would say to me but you taught at SP they have better resources than other schools they get in students from middle class families and therefore they can do well so I decided that after they kicked me out of teaching I was going to spend a year at Valhalla uh, in Valhalla Park at Bovalon High and there I took a grade 10 uh, a group of students and there were 50 students we reintroduced life sciences that's my subject that I teach and they had uh, scrapped the subject because uh, they didn't have enough teachers and uh, <coughs> the first day I had 50 students in my class the next day I had 25 and I said because there's no teachers available I went to look for the caretaker I said sit in my class I've got some work to do I'm going to fetch those students and they were sitting at the back of the school. 
and I brought them to the class and I said to them, one thing I can guarantee, if you attend my class every day, I guarantee that all of you will pass at the end of the year. And they all passed. And now I know the difficulties that the school faces, but I wanted to prove to myself that even if you are teaching at a poor school, you have a responsibility to the students there mm-hmm. to give of your best. Yeah. Let's go for a quick ad break. I really want us to get into the details of the systematic kind of uh, pressures that teachers face. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. We are slowly getting into the last half hour of the show. Um, it's now 20 past 8. Um, what I want to say, though, is that very often, just to say again, that very often on the show, we talk about the very tangible stuff, the tangible challenges that teachers face. For example, um, like I said earlier, broken windows, uh, classrooms not being big enough, space uh, restrictions and so on. But tonight we're talking about the education system itself and how that negatively has impacted on teachers and in fact how it's been a, 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 a almost a, a push you know, getting rid of good teachers, if one can say that. And in studio, I've got Brian Isaacs. He's the former principal um, who has a personal story as well, you know, in, in, in terms of his experience with the Western Cape Education Department. Now, um, can you please share with us some of the challenges that teachers face from the education department, their employer? As I've said before, we need to criticize WCED, the National Department of Basic Education, for the things that they are not doing. But there are certain things that we as teachers must do. We cannot neglect our students, no matter how difficult the situation is. Uh, We cannot uh, be pessimistic in the classroom. We cannot be pessimistic on the sports field. We cannot be pessimistic as far as the politics in the country is concerned. If we want to change the mindset of where we are in South Africa today, remember that the mindset, we had to fight against oppression. And through our organizations, we were taught honesty. We were taught not to steal. And these things must still ring true in the schools of the poor today. We as teachers cannot give up. We have to have faith in our students. And yes, we become pessimistic, we complain, we say we want to get out of teaching. It's not the same as it used to be before. But unfortunately for us, the, the, the teachers who are concerned, we have to encourage our colleagues to put their shoulders to the wheel, not for the department, but for our students. Not for the department, but for our parents. Not for the department, but for the teachers. And I think we have to build South Africa 
Uh, we can say that the government is dishonest. We can look at the commission of inquiry into state capture and how people have stolen uh, uh, monies from the ordinary person. But it's going to depend on us as uh, people on the ground to change the nature of South African society. And if you are a teacher, what better way and a parent and the student, what better way to change South African society by working in the schools? And that is my, I know it's, uh, uh, it's easy, I wouldn't say, I've tried in my entire teaching career to be positive about where our students, our parents and our teachers should be. We have a valuable role to play in society. We can change the South Africa of today. Once we put our shoulders to the wheel, whilst we put our political ideals uh, before us, and we can succeed. Mm -hmm. Now, Ashley, your research focuses also on activism of educators, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I'm only I'm only starting. Um, okay. So I can I can share I can share with you, for example, um, how I'm thinking about these these issues and maybe yeah. related. Um, I mean, the the question really is around how the system, in fact, wants to shut down activists. Yeah. Well, well, that, I mean, that's a that's a really good question, and I think for me, when we think about that question today, we have to again place it in context. So in the context of a history of state-enforced marginalization of activist teachers. So if we think back to um, teachers under apartheid um, were redeployed, told you're going to go to another school because we don't like you, um, even detained, and so different mechanisms were used. And there was an inspectorate, um, people that would visit your, your class to come and see what you're doing whether you're being obedient or you're doing something different. Um, and I think that re-articulates itself today just through new forms and new tools. So we still have um, inspection. We don't have what we understand as the inspectorate, but we still have, um, I've been at schools where um, uh, curriculum advisors are shouting at the top of their lungs. Um, within a staff room context, um, shout, yelling at teachers, or uh, just to give you an, another story from from a place called Parkwood, where a a teacher would have a student sleeping in the classroom, and the curriculum advisor would walk in and ask, like, what what is the teacher doing wrong that the student is sleeping in class? But the, but with no understanding of whether the, the student has eaten this morning. Um, did they sleep last night because there were gunshots going on? Um, and uh, teachers within these contexts, particularly in working class school contexts, are expected to do so much and to be and to be so much within the context of the school, and provided almost uh, no supports, and then you would still be responded at with these kind of um, threats. Um, sanctions and stuff and it, and it takes place in various ways um, through assessment policies assessment is one way to surveil and you can su you can surveil actually um, uh, so someone is working on this um, in terms of assessment it says you can surveil without even being at the school uh, through through the assessments um, 
through but, it, but, it, but, is, <laughs> but isn't it about keeping or maintaining I'm sorry I'm just an outsider I'm just curious isn't that also just about maintaining standards or ensuring that the education levels are maintained just asking yeah so, so uh, I think there's, la- there's layers to, the, to that um, problem so it's not to say let's rubbish assessments you need in any education system to have assessments but what how are the assessments being used how are they being uh, uh, administered and why are they why are we kind of pushing in, in a certain direction so for me if you think about the the goal of schooling it's a question which i raised earlier what's the purpose of schooling it's it's not the purpose of schooling which you and i might want is a, a social uh, to prepare you to be able to change society or to build a new world um Currently, the education system is structured around a particular game that schools have to play, and that game is marks, metric results, etc. Um, you essentially to go work or study to get a job. Yeah, it's, it's also a way of sorting people. Um, it's also a way of so we we talk about an idea of meritocracy, but we know that, for example, your chances if you are in the working class school is not going to be the same. The resources that you're going to have access to is not going to be the same, um, and you're going to be working in a space where maybe this we don't even have enough teachers, um, we, or we've got overcrowded classrooms. Or when I'm sitting in that classroom, the, the, the roof is busy leaking. Um, those are all the kind of uh, Literally, let's say things that are not right and things which we need to push up and hold government to account. Um, but within that context, you also have this this next layer of in that context where we haven't given you what you need to work to do your work. It's kind of like saying to the dentist or the doctor, um, "Oh, won't you bring your own machines and tools with you uh, to, to to work?" But in that context, um, people are still experiencing these shouting matches. Uh, people are still being uh, taken to task when they uh, dare to stand up or dare to speak out and say something. Uh, yeah. I think what's also important for us to understand is that it's about context. So a lot of what you're saying is about l- there's a failure of the maybe the department to look at the context that people are working under or working in. It's just like, do your job. We're here to make sure that you do your job without actually contextualizing it. Okay, cool. Maybe it's because, like you mentioned, the different socioeconomic situations that teachers are working in that might impact on their very role. Yeah, I mean, what does it mean to be a school principal in a urban township school or working class school? Uh, is we just had November month and Guy Fawkes Day? Do you open school or close school? Right, just to put it very, to very, very bluntly, these are questions which would never confront a principal working in a different context. Um, so I- even for Mr. Newman. When confronted with the question of whether to open school or close school, it's, it's not just opening or closing school, it's opening or closing school within my, in this particular context. Um, we don't have enough space. We won't be able to socially distance. Uh, we don't have enough staff. We won't be able to provide a steady rhythm of, of learning. So we're going to be back at school, but how much learning will be taking place? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Some more messages coming through. Um, would you like to add something? No. Yeah, you can read the message. Okay, let's go for the message. Cool. Listeners, do stay, uh, uh, do share your views with us. Of course, the WhatsApp line is 0829913913. That is 0829913913. You can also give us a call on 021-442-3530. 
That is 0214-423530. If you are a teacher working in the Western Cape, uh, do phone us. Feel free to let us know about your experiences. Do you feel that the system is too draconian? Do you feel that the bureaucracy prevents you from flourishing? Listener 9121 says, I think that when we involve everyone in educational reform and initiate educational participatory action, we allow ourselves to open up to the idea of interpretation of how political and systemic injustices affect everything we do. So for several years now, the provincial government acted as if they were an independent state. The denial of student safety has been entirely disregarded when a principled man stood up to elevate the matter in a critical manner. And then listener 0206 says simply, I think our education system is failing our children. And listener 8845 says, our people are aware of what's happening in our country and have to know who to vote for. Okay, so Brian, would you like to um, add anything to what Ashley's been saying? Or any of your own, whatever you feel like sharing in terms of the question around, um, you know, how the education department might even be failing to see the context of a lot of teachers and just making uh, decisions that, that don't take into account the context that a lot of teachers are working in? Uh, what I would like to see um, happening at schools uh, that teachers at a staff room level be given the opportunity to voice their opinions. I know it can be a situation where the principal comes in uh, says this is what we're going to do for the day there is no discussion on the issues of the day and I think this is, happens at most schools where people do not want to discuss the issues of the day because they feel it will lead to dissension and arguments now if you want to improve life if you want to improve education it is about argumentation it is about critical thinking and uh, we all have a role to play. Uh, those who just come into the system, those who have been there for 10 years, 15 years, uh, people who've been there for longer, we all have a role to play to try and improve education. We cannot give up, and this is my uh, uh, fight. Uh, uh, um, it was mentioned here that, uh, you know, we must look not only at the past and the present, but the future also. And I'm very um, uh, strong on looking at the future. No matter the problems that we have, we have to be positive about where we want to take education. And, uh, and I find amazing that if you open yourself to that kind of critical thinking. You find that the school situation improves tremendously. Um, Ashley and I attended uh, a meeting of the SRC of Eastfield High, where we were discussing various things about education. And when people say students are not interested, that's not true. That's not true. When you engage them, 
And when you ask them questions, they have views. And uh, we need to take cognizance of those views. And we need to react to those views. And we need to move forward on those views. And uh, I think that uh, Mr. Newman is being criticized by Brian Schroeder and by uh, um, the advocate uh, Debbie Schaefer. But they have not been at the school. They don't engage the students. Now, if I was the head of education or the minister of education, I would have been there immediately, even if the school didn't invite me. I would be there and I want to discuss the matter with the, uh, with the teachers, with the parents, with the students to understand what is happening there. But they send the officials there. And then they take action against the school. Now, we need to change in South Africa. We definitely need to change. And um, many of my colleagues who have this critical way of thinking, um, they've changed their schools. Mm -hmm. And we must continue to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, Patrick, you seem to want to share something. Uh, yes, maybe just to pick up on, on this, the a positive, a future positive view of, of education is that it, it's the way that we imagine education. If we imagine that someone else knows better than we do and that knowledge is somehow behind a black box that we cannot see but which we rely on another to interpret, then we are going to be... That, that is the kind of structure of the world. Whereas if we see that students have um, opinions of their own and that knowledge exists in a context and is, is attached to real life world and a real world which can be changed then there is a great freedom we can immediately see that that there's an equality of every speaking human being and not just a subject expert in the sky um, it immediately decentralizes and i want to come back to your idea of the the infrastructure as being purely physical but we need to imagine a knowledge infrastructure which is not explicitly vertical and instead horizontal and decentralized. Mm -hmm. Now, one of our listeners also says that uh, the Western Cape Education Department had a very conciliatory approach to the Brackenfell High School issue. They seemed more sympathetic to Brackenfell High, um, but it seems they didn't engage Heathfield High. Does anybody have an opinion on that? I mean, have you been following that? Have you been looking at that? Um, yes, I, I followed the uh, Brackenfell uh, school story. And I also watched the commentary which Debbie Schaefer made outside of the school. Um, aside from the insensitivities to the actual issue of race and transformation within the context of schools, it is peculiar, as the listener raises, that... Yeah, the stance or the position which the department takes suddenly takes a different tone. Um, in one instance, um, it's about punishment um, and it's about uh, let's have uh, disciplinary hearings or, or labor court uh, disputes. And in another instance, it's about 
well, let's work together with uh, the school and give them even time uh, to, to w- when they decide um, they wish to transform. So, so we see these two contrasting things. And I think in a lot of our, our schools, particularly working class schools, I, I, I say it, express it that way, is that there's a, there's a clear breakdown of trust between schools or teachers and the Department of Education uh, because of the past, but also because of contemporary issues like this. Um, it's in your face. Here's the Brackenfell story. Here's the response. And this is the response that we get at Heathfield. Um, there, there's an example of Mr. Isaacs, uh, who's spoken tonight, um, and countless other stories. So there's a breakdown of trust that doesn't enable um, dialogue to take place. And in fact, for me, that was, that was for me kind of one of the key things that I wanted to express um, uh, tonight is the issue of accountability. Um, we have a story where Heathfield actually requests to have a meeting with the department. Let's sit down, uh, let's have dialogue, let's discuss the matter, um, and that's met with outright refusal. So what you have is essentially just a form of top-down accountability. Uh, you do as you're told. Um, there's no uh, democratic participation in, the, in terms of parents, teachers, and students. Um, talk about a decentralized government which was what was envisioned in the, in the schools act through the sgb policy is you don't see that happening you don't see that taking place and you also because you don't have that you can you you, you probably can't also have bottom-up forms of accountability where actually the school holds the state uh, to account yeah we'll go for a quick ad break when we come back we'll look at some of more of the whatsapp messages listeners you're welcome to participate in the show give us a call the number in the studio is 021-442-3530 that is 021-442-3530 the burning issue Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. We are now in the last few minutes of the show. Shukran listeners, thank you so much for sending through your messages. Listener 8845 says, Schools have to improve and students need to be part of change. Most of the parents would be happy to have input for change. Government need to listen to students for better education. Listener 9621 says, Uh... Parents must set an example to our children within the near future. The probability of our children endangering their lives would become acceptable to them because we as parents enforced it. This is, of course, in relation to returning to school during COVID-19. Now, um, I think, uh, interestingly, I came across um, an article on the news24.com website. It's an opinion piece, and it's written by a parent who says, And the headline reads, I salute the teachers of 2020. And the listener goes on to explain her experience of trying to help her child at home, an eight-year-old, to access worksheets and schoolwork and all kinds of things. And she just came up with a, a sort of like an article of the experience. And also what she says is... She's definitely not cut out to be a teacher. <laughs> and she also just says she has no she had no idea how much work goes into mm. teaching. Mm. Um, and then she she says, and I'll quote from the article, she says, Spare thought for the teachers who now have to start their day a lot earlier so your child can be screened 
monitoring children in terms of social distancing, especially younger children, can it be easy? Now, of course, this was written uh, recently, um, and, and it's kind of going around on social media. Um, as the school year now comes to a close, which has been, of course, a very challenging year for all of us, not of, not just in the education system, but all around. What a challenging year, hey? So let's get some closing remarks from our guests in studio. Um, let's start with Patrick, who hasn't said much. Patrick, what are your closing <laughs> remarks uh, from the C19 Coalition? Um, of course, the topic this evening, uh, you know, was just looking at the system and how it impacts on teachers and the work that they do. Uh, well, maybe I can borrow someone else's uh, someone else's words and directly in relation to that about thanking teachers for for the job they've done. Um, recently, there was an article published on the provinces on the on the uh, department's um, Twitter feed of a student who who was who had written a letter to the to the president and to the teachers of the country to thank them for their hard work. What it ignored to, to put down is that there was that earlier in the year she had written another letter, which was to say that that she she had all this built up anxiety from 2019, and they're looking forward to writing matric, um, but that today she had the the fear of dying during matric, a terror of going back to school. Um, which is conveniently left out of, of, the, of the second article. Um, what's important here to note is that when, when uh, someone is thanking the right people or the story is being manipulated in the right way, um, the, the province or uh, those in power will play along. But as soon as the, the ball swings the other way, those words will get minced and chopped, and Wesley Newman is... The, is a, a classic example of that happening in da in daily life. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Ashley from the NPO Bottom Up. What are your closing remarks? Yeah, well, firstly, I think is a message to parents and students and concerned citizens is is to fight for our schools and to fight for our future. Um, one that's fair and one that's just. But just in terms of the context of the work that we do with students is when students begin to ask critical questions. Uh, even they face resistance. And what we've learned is that there's nothing more valuable than a teacher within the context of a school who can also support um, when students ask questions. And so here is a, an example of such a teacher, or Mr. Newman, who is who can be a supportive adult who also understands what it is to ask a question. Or to or to say or do something different, um, and we need to protect those teachers within the system. Cool. And Brian Isaacs, your closing remarks in the next two minutes, please. I think that um, we face challenging times, but I am positive that, as usual, South Africans will pull through. Um, the majority our South Africans want to see our educational system uh, 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 progress. Uh, I believe very strongly that we must have one educational system, must do away with private schools, must do away with Model C schools, uh, education must be free. Uh, I think then, once we've leveled the playing fields in that arena, we can then move forward. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much to our guests for joining us this evening on Burning Issue. So that's it from myself, Yazid Kamaldin. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. That was the show this evening. Burning Issue from myself, Yazid Kamaldin. I'll be back next week.
The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo.